Today we'll look at something that I had an inkling about for the longest time. Photography is causing us stress. So we'll look into what we find stressful and try to find a way to do something about it. This is Tips from the Top Floor, episode 876 for August the 29th, 2019. Tips from the top, from the top floor, tips from the top, all right, from the top floor. Hey, it's Chris Marquardt, you're listening to Tips from the Top Floor, episode 876, and, uh, huh, I have to kick this episode off with, uh, with a piece of sad news. And it's especially sad because it, it has to do with the history of the show and with uh, the community around it. So many of you go back to the very early days of this show. I know there are still a lot of you. Back in 2005 when it started, uh, we had an online forum where the community met, talked and exchanged. Uh, and that forum was an important component of of what made tips from the top floor what it is it was a really kind and understanding people in there a very open environment no hostility a very inclusive environment it was really good i really loved it um it's pretty much what i'm trying to do with the slack today the forum just over time was replaced by social media and and then the forum spam wave killed it so yeah that was before twitter or before uh, Facebook or any other social media, for that matter, really became a thing. And that forum was such a great condensation point for such a wonderful community. I, I still think back to that a lot. There are lots of good memories. Uh, because it was an important thing for me and for a lot of you out there, for a lot of people who were part of it. And I know a lot of you are still out there, you know, still listening and I'm really grateful for that. Uh, it was just a wonderfully tight-knit community. And I still see a lot of that today in the Slack. Now, when I think back, of course, I mostly think back of the people who were part of this. Because it's all about the people, right? This show wouldn't be what it is without you guys. Um, without like your feedback and just you being there. And one person sticks out because uh, she was an important part of that early community. Uh, she she held a lot of this together. She uh, contributed in many ways. And at one time, I even held a workshop at her home in Florida. That must have been uh, 2007, eight, around that time. Uh, I'm talking about Lee. And... Uh, just the other day, I found out that she isn't with us anymore. Someone from the community checked on her because of the hurricane. She lives in Florida. And uh, he let me know that she passed away earlier this year. So, while we didn't have a lot of contact in the recent years, I mean, she kind of moved on and she got married and, and uh, lived her own life. Um... But yeah, I'm 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 a bit sad because uh, she really helped make this community what it is, and so yeah, just thought I'd let you know, uh, especially those of you who have been around back then and maybe even knew her personally. Um, there is an online obituary if you feel like uh, 
like leaving a few thoughts for her family. I'm sure they would appreciate that. Uh, I won't put the link publicly in the show notes, but um, yeah, drop me a quick note and uh, I will send you the link. Thank you. <sighs> it's, it's always hard, this stuff. I don't like this stuff, no. Uh, anyway, still want to talk about photography because, and this is, <laughs> this is going to be a bit of a philosophical show today, um, because it's about something that has been coming together in my mind over the last months, you know, or actually over the last years. Um, and I didn't even realize that it all kind of belonged together. But uh, this all culminated uh, in a question that I asked on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. I asked this in German, so most of you won't probably won't have read it. Uh, but it basically was this question. What stresses you out most about photography? And, and I did this because I realized over time that everyone seemed to have something about photography that they didn't like, maybe even hate it. And something that caused them stress. Something that made them want to go out less or work on their photos less uh, or just deal with photography less. And... While there are still enough things that keep people in photography, there are definitely a few sides for most of us that we don't like about it. And when I asked this question, I found that there are some general themes. Um, now, take a minute and ask that question yourself. And I'm pretty sure you will find something. Think of your photography. Think of the times you went out to shoot. Think of the times you spent... Uh, working on your photos and ask yourself, what stresses me out most about photography? This is where <laughs> this is where I should play some thinking music, right? But like, I guess most of you will like have this answer right away. This uh, the reason I think you have the answer right away is because when I asked this question on Twitter, I haven't had a tweet with that much of a response in probably the last year. At 24 hours, 2,000 views, 40 replies. Um, yeah, lots of action. <laughs> and uh, those came pretty quickly. So th there were some common themes there that, uh, that I identified. And one was time. So time is a stress factor. You don't have enough time. There are too many things in your day and photography competes with other things. Another stress factor where the others, and this could, this could be in many, uh, in many shapes, the others in terms of uh, they take better photos uh, or their feedback sucks in some way or when I'm out shooting pictures, they're in my way or they don't want to be photographed or they play by their own rules and all they, all the others want are likes. Um, yeah. The third theme that emerged was uh, pressure. This emerged big time, pressure. People feel pressure when it comes to photography. Uh, it, again, could be time, right? If you don't have time, you are under pressure. It could be their own standards. They might see photography and then they try to do it and they can't get it as good as 
the others, uh, the photos they, they looked at are. So um, they can't they can't take pictures up to their own standards, which again creates some pressure. Um, uh, of course, pressure from the others. Even though, I mean, let's be honest, pressure is something that you make yourself, right? Others don't create pressure. You create the pressure. Um, pressure. <laughs> Yesterday, I recorded an episode here in Germany for another podcast, a Vrind podcast. Yeah, try to pronounce that one. Um, where the host, Holger, said that he he feels pressure when he goes out and, and he doesn't bring his expensive photo gear. So it's not being used and that makes him feel guilty. So that's a form of pressure because he, when he's out, he uses his smartphone and that is plenty good for most of his photography. So yeah, a lot of us have invested and <laughs> don't use it. Um, motivation was another theme in general. Like I can't, get my butt up from the sofa and go out take pictures for whatever reasons uh another area of uh, stress in photography was the post processing the whole thing about yeah there's t there's just too many pictures out there there's so much uh work you have to put in your pictures um equipment yep That is a f that is a, a source of stress, and uh, I think that goes hand in hand with just being overwhelmed by things because th the tech in photography can be very overwhelming, right? There's uh, yeah, like the cameras, even though they're they're trying hard to make this as simple as possible and automate everything, cameras get more and more complex, especially when you look at like specific amateur cameras versus professional cameras and then you you spend a lot of money on uh, the, the more professional camera but that also means that you will have to do a lot more work to get the good photos you have more buttons more options more things you have to learn about so getting the more expensive cameras doesn't make it easier often it doesn't um so yeah being overwhelmed in general and i get that feeling more and more And it has the, the feeling that people are stressed out about photography. It has started a few years ago and it's solidified over time. You might remember when I released my workflow ebook, One Hour, One Thousand Picks, which was pretty much about taking the stress out of one of those areas, right? The post production, the huge pile of photos and what to do about them. And the resonance this, this ebook got was really big. By now, tens of thousands of you have downloaded it, and uh, I've heard from many people who use the workflow and who manage to take the clutter out of their image library with its help. Uh, but there are so many other areas of photography that people are stressed about, um, and it's I don't think it's always been that way. And I think we I think we have to do something about that. Now, I don't have a good plan just yet, right? I don't have a solution. Uh, which is why I'm running this by you, because I want your feedback. Because, um, yeah, that's what I've been chewing through over the last months. And it's kind of crystallizing, it's coming together. And uh, especially over the last weeks, I kind of know 
now what people are stressed out about, even though I still want to hear from you about this, but uh, at least part of the answers are in. Uh, but the next step is to understand better why that is, right? What, you, you, you know the what, but you don't know the why. Uh, because, I mean, as soon as you know the reasons, it'll kind of become more obvious as to what your goals should be to get out of that, to take the stress out of your photography, uh, to make this better. And whenever you have set a set of clear goals, uh, that's when you have what you need to come up with a plan, right? And that's a plan uh, to take the stress out. So I guess it's like a four-step process, right? Step one, identify the problems. We're in right in the middle of that. Step two, identify the reasons for those problems. Um, I think I have quite a bit of that already now. Uh but of course, I'd also like to hear from you what you think those the reasons for those are. Uh, step number three, determine goals, like where should we be? And then based on those goals, um, make a plan of action to reach those goals. Oh, <laughs> forgot the most important thing, of course. Step five, execute on the plan. Without that, the whole thing doesn't really work, right? You have to do it or you have to do something. Now, I, I kind of like this met methodical approach. Um, but yeah, again, it all, it all culminates in that step number five, in the execution. And I know that's where it's getting, getting interesting because we are all quite resistant to do work, right? Convenience is everything. But that step number five kind of entails a bit that there will be some work necessary. So what's going to have to be part of that plan is kind of to design it in a way that that it uses every single trick in the book to make people follow through. And that can be done, right? There are a lot of tricks and uh, maybe that's, uh, yeah, maybe that's a project. So th that's where I've, what I've been thinking about. It's been on my mind a lot. The things that stress us out in photography. And yeah, this is a question to you. Are you stressed out about photography or about anything specific in photography? Uh, when I asked this question on Twitter, I have uh, only received one answer that said, nope, I'm just taking it as it comes. I'm rolling with the punches. So one person was like, nope, not stressed out. Um, I personally... I'm I'm not that stressed out anymore about photography. There's some, uh, for lack of a better word, serenity. Like I have I have this. <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't feel stressful to me. But uh, then I've also done it for like way over thirty years. Anyway, um, let me know what stresses you out about photography. I've uh, just sent out another tweet with that question. And uh, in English, so you uh, uh, probably also put it on Facebook, so you can uh, you can answer it. And I will put links to both of those in the show notes. I'd really like to hear from you on that. I think this is going to be an interesting journey, and we can take that together. Thank you. 
Hey, this is a sponsor-free episode today. No sponsor, no paid sponsorships on there. So I want to use that slot here in the middle to just ask you to submit a question because uh, the, the, the reservoir is in the process of depleting and I, I want your questions. I want your voice on the show. Um, we have another a good question uh, just after this break. And yeah, I want to hear you on the show and I want your voice here. So if you're interested in anything, if you have a question, if you um, have some feedback, send it, record it. This is important. Record it. I want your voice on the on the show. Record it with your smartphone. Send it to voice at tfttf.com. I'm looking forward to hearing you. Voice at tfttf.com. Hello, Chris. I'm Roger, reaching out from Salt Lake City in the United States. While I've only been listening to your podcast for a month or two, I do find your discussions interesting, your tips helpful, and your presentation quite pleasing. Thanks for the considerable effort you obviously put into researching and producing each show. Recently, I was out shooting night photography. It was quite cold, perhaps 10 degrees Fahrenheit, minus 12 or so Celsius. Not surprisingly, I needed to swap out batteries in my Nikon T850. I inserted a freshly charged battery, in this case, a Nikon brand ENEL15 Lithium Ion 20. My habit when replacing batteries is to immediately check the charge state of the newly inserted cell. I was surprised to see that this battery was holding only 40% charge. Even though I'd stored the battery in my front pants pocket underneath other layers and close to my body to keep it warm, I chalked the discrepancy up to the cold ambient temperature. I pulled out a different battery from a similar pocket, inserted it, and found it to be holding 97% charge. Back home the next day, I recharged the offending battery. My Nikon battery charger only reports two states of battery charging. Flashing orange indicates charging, while steady orange indicates fully charged. Well, despite charging this cell for over 18 hours, the charger never indicated a fully charged status. I started to think that my battery might beyond, be beyond its usable life, so I popped it into my camera and found it to be charged at 47%. One last bit of info regarding this battery. I had previously marked it with a date indicating that it was at least two and a half years old. My questions, what can one expect for the usable lifespan of a lithium-ion DSLR battery? Next, does a person's actions affect this lifespan? For instance, is it important to regularly deplete the battery? Uh, should one immediately recharge, even though the battery might sit on the shelf fully charged and unused for a month or two? Alternatively, might it be better to leave the battery depleted and then recharge the night before going out to shoot? Or I guess, does any of this matter? Well, thanks once again, Chris. I really appreciate your efforts. Hey, Roger. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, you're into something here. Batteries are really uh, fickle things. Well, it, to a certain extent, okay? So, um, and you have very, <laughs> very good questions. So you have one battery that is misbehaving, that doesn't take any charge anymore. And another one that's just fine. And yeah, uh, 
the question is what what can one expect right what how to treat a battery what's the best way to do deal with them now i'm not a trained battery expert but i've read a lot of them i've used batteries forever uh so here's what i know uh first um the just as a as an important distinction there are several different types of battery technologies especially rechargeable battery technologies um the oldest one that i'm when the lead acid okay from the car there's actually still there um but the the ones in our our gadgets uh used to be nickel cadmium uh and uh a bit later than the nickel metal hydride batteries and imh um which are i think that's a technology that's used in Eneloop and the likes um and those i would i would call them old battery technologies but um they're reliable mostly uh, and then the newer ones uh, are the lithium-ion batteries and the lithium-polymer batteries, which kind of use the same technology. So I will refer to them as lithium-ion. Now, I think one important distinction, and that was one of the big things when the lithium-ion batteries came on the market, was that uh, the nickel-cadmium and the, the nickel-metal-hydride batteries, uh, they show what's called a memory effect. And, and lithium-ion doesn't do this as much uh which means if you do, if you only if you take a nickel metal hydride battery if you only drain them to let's say 50 percent and then recharge fully and then again drain them to 50 percent and recharge and on and on over time they will develop um this memory effect and that uh that expresses itself in that the battery then will begin to think that 50 percent is actually zero so they will get to uh discharge to 50 percent and then drop very quickly to zero um and uh those those of you who uh <laughs> who used these batteries in the past um those need to be discharged right you need to use them until they're empty and then you charge them or you use a battery charger that discharges them and conditions them um they need some tlc right uh so you avoid that memory effect and again, that's not true for lithium ion. You can deplete them to half repeatedly and they won't and then recharge them and they won't show that memory effect. At least by far not as bad as the other older technologies do. Um so lithium ion in, in in that respect is easier to keep happy than the older technologies, but it still needs some TLC as well and you can see that in uh, for example in electric vehicles uh they are today's electric vehicles evs are pretty much based on lithium-ion batteries they are <laughs> they are driving computers with big battery packs and many of those evs will have uh, active battery cooling and heating so they have they have circuits in the battery uh, some will use the air condition in the car to to keep them cool like i've just read about here in Europe, we have the Opel and Vauxhall brand and uh, their Corsa, small, tiny car. I don't think you will see this in the States, but um, that one is now uh, coming out as an EV. And what they did is they have the air condition in the car. They they have, they have sized the air condition in the car to not only cool down the passengers or warm up the passengers, but to be able to do this for the battery pack as well so that's uh, quite an interesting design quite oversized uh, ac in there but uh, that's why to keep the batteries happy because temperature is 
one of those factors that um, that batteries kind of the lithium ion batteries kind of are at uh, they they need a certain temperature range to be happy, and of course the camera batteries, the camera batteries in our cameras, they are lithium ion. So yeah, temperature is the first one. Store those batteries. If you store them, um, of course you won't be able to do much about them if you go out and it's minus thirty, and then uh, uh, then the batteries have to take that. But uh, store those batteries around room temperature if you keep them at home. Um, and they don't like hot hot temperatures, but they especially don't like to be fully charged at hot temperatures. So one of the things that is recommended against is to charge them in the car when it's very hot. Uh, in general, lithium-ion batteries are happiest uh, from a charging level between 20% charge and 80% charge. Um, when you fully charge them to the top, they, they it's not perfect for them because they age faster. Uh, they also don't like being fully discharged. In fact, that can kill them. Now, luckily, that is virtually impossible to do in your camera because the battery has chips in there, safety circuit in there to prevent full discharge, right? So it'll cut off the discharging from the camera at a certain point. Um, I think that's voltage-related. But even if it's only almost discharged, uh, if you then store the battery for a long time and let it fully discharge, that could damage it. It's not good for the battery. So, um, yeah, for long-term storage... uh, Fully depleted is a bad idea. Fully charged is also a bad idea. Uh, the ideal condition to store a lithium iron battery is to discharge it cut to about half. I think 40% is what's often recommended. And then uh, store it in a cool place. I, uh, Yeah, I said room temperature, but that's because you want to use them, right? Uh, but someone who said long-term storage, uh, someone wrote long-term storage, discharge it to about 40% and then um, put it in the fridge in a, in an airtight container. Um, not the freezer, <laughs> but yeah, I've never tried that, but um, that's what I read. And the other thing I do is I cycle my camera batteries. I have several and they take turns. And I'll swap them before they indicate they're empty, right? Uh, so I, I won't... I will typically not let them go to zero in the camera. I'll swap them earlier so there's some uh, remaining charge in there because that's when they're happiest. And, oh, one more thing with today's lithium-ion batteries. You should expect about 500 full charging cycles out of a lithium-iron battery. Uh, Lithium-iron? Lithium-ion battery. And then those are full cycles. If you deplete a battery to 50% and recharge it until it's full, then that counts as half a cycle. So, yeah, your specific battery, um, Roger, it shows signs of damage, I guess. And honestly, uh, lithium-iron batteries, um, when they're damaged, I'd probably swap them out for a new one. And that was it for this episode of Tips from the Top Floor. And as this episode doesn't have a sponsor, I'm even more grateful 
for the 45 patrons who support each episode of the show. That makes $67 per episode or about $250 per month, minus some fees. That's not nothing. It really helps, and I thank you for chipping in. And of course, the wonderful people helping out are... Jeremy Curvin, Jeffrey Block, Alex Croso, Bernhard Goldbach, Daniel Hertrich, Ken Davidson, Leslie Ridlin, Marco Binder, Matt Armstead, Peter Morrow, Scott Wurzel, Tom Stewart, Eran Pinasov, Stu Silberman, Alan Bruce Horn, Andrew B., Anthony Bartik Boski, Chadley Clark, Chandra, Christopher Greenhill, Dave Smith, David Recht, Enkiam, Francesco Scaglioni, Greg Anastasi, Holger Krupp, James Trimble, Jim Caldwell, Don, uh, John Donahue, Josh Hopko, Jasmi M.R., Ken Berian, Karl Nishioka, Marvin, Aaron, Michael Grunert, Peter M. Spreitling, Rob Duber, Rob Goschko, Ryan Gilio, Sinefart, Steven Sandler, Thomas Nielsen, Trevor Palmer, and Woody. Thanks to all of you, and as usual, there is still space on that list. If you want to chip in and help me make the show, maybe consider becoming a supporting member. It feels really good, by the way. Just go to tfttf.com slash Patreon. That's tfttf.com slash Patreon. Thank you so much. Music for the show by Jeff Smith, sound partner, Hans Pedagarut, Kagarut, sorry. Uh, publishing and Slack challenges by Release Pixie, Matt Raps at Arms, and Slack invitations by Chief Invitation Officer, CIO Rusty Russ. The link to get on the Slack is in the show notes, or just go to tfttf.com slash yslack, W-H-Y-S-L-A-C-K. My name is Chris Markward. You'll find me on social media at Chris M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T. Go out and take amazing photos, share them with the world, be nice to each other, and happy shooting. <laughs>